So now we're having to go back to those property managers and say, hey, guys, there's a handful of $10,000 items in here that shouldn't have been expensed. Let's capitalize it. Now the NOI is significantly higher. And as all your listeners know, now the valuation's higher, the refi's higher, and that's really the name of the game. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff. First off, hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Saturday. have a special segment for you called Situation Saturday. And here is the situation. Well, accounting is something that you, unless you're an accountant, you're probably not a fan of, but guess what? We all have to deal with it and we all get to deal with it. Is it going to be a positive influence in our business or a negative one? That's really the choice that we need to make with our business. And the situation is that, well, we're all in a spot where we have someone working on our books, but who is it? Is it ourselves? And do we have the expertise to do so? Or is it a firm that can help us with that and help us make more money? And today we're going to be talking with a sponsor of the podcast. He's co-founder of Real Estate Accounting, Mark Kappelman. How are you doing, Mark? Doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you on the show because this is something that we can all get a refresher on at minimum and at most start taking some action on. So First off, a little bit about Mark. He's the co-founder of Real Estate Accounting. He's eight years of real estate experience. He is a CPA. He's rehabbed and owned multiple multifamily properties. He did the Burr strategy starting out. Now he's got approximately 40 units. He's syndicated. So he's one of us, but he's also an accountant and he's the co-founder of an accounting firm, Real Estate Accounting, where you can outsource your accounting too. So that's a little bit about Mark. Let's talk about the situation because that's what the meat of this conversation is going to be about. The situation is we don't have an accounting firm yet, but we have property. So let's talk about that scenario, Mark. Can you first off tell us a little bit about your company and then let's roll into that scenario? Sure. So like you said, I'm the co-founder of realestateaccounting.co. We're outsourced accountant for the real estate industry, 100% focused on real estate. And really, there's three types of customers we work with. There's first and foremost, there's just the traditional third-party property manager that manages residential and commercial properties. They're the ones that if you own properties, like probably a lot of your listeners, and you're getting reports from a property manager every month, we may be the accountant that's doing the accounting for those property management companies. They might decide to outsource their books or outsource their accounting to us. So that's the first kind of customer that we work with. The other customer is the syndicator that self-manages. So they've gone out, they've raised money, and not only do they have to report back to their LPs, but they actually are doing the property accounting. They're the property accountants. So they'll bring us in because we understand the reporting to the LPs, as well as just the day-to-day blocking and tackling of property accounting. And then I think what you were asking about, Joe, was the syndicator that is outsourcing their books that has probably raised some money from outside investors, has bought a few properties or one property, and now needs to report out to their LPs every month. 
we assist those type of clients as well. What about the investor who has a W-2 job and is not syndicating, but just building their own portfolio, but they're getting these reports back from a property management company? Because that's a scenario I was in before I started doing the syndication business where I started out with three single family homes in Texas. And I'd get these reports every month, but I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to them, honestly. But I probably should have in order to maximize the ROI. Do you work with people like that? We do. I'll say that's less common. Usually it's people that have, I would say, slightly larger properties than a couple single family homes. But I think the notion of what we do, and in that instance, we call it CFO services, is it's the same concept. And I'll give you a perfect example is we're working with a client right now that owns 10 properties. They're not single family homes. These are larger properties, 16 to 20 unit buildings. But this individual has got a highly paid W-2 job, works a ton of hours, and he's getting eight reports every month. And currently he's owned them for a couple of years and he wants to refinance the properties. And as he's looking at the reports, the NOI looks lower than he would expect. And if he's applying a cap rate that he thinks fair, the valuation looks like less than he's paid for. Mm. But the reality is he's raised the rent rolls, so it just doesn't make sense. So he brought us in. We spent a couple hours looking at these reports, quickly realized that the property manager that's been sending him his report has been expensing a tremendous amount of CapEx to repair and maintenance, which mm-hmm. is great from a tax perspective because your taxable income is lower. But when you're going to either sell the asset or refinance it, the underwriters and the appraisers are going to look at the NOI. So now we're having to go back to those property managers and say, hey, guys, there's a handful of $10,000 items in here that shouldn't have been expensed. Let's capitalize it. Now the NOI is significantly higher. And as all your listeners know, now the valuation's higher, the refi's higher, and that's really the name of the game. I could see the value of that, especially from an owner standpoint who has multiple properties, as you mentioned in this example. And if you have a W-2 job, you're at least focused on it 35 hours a week, I would imagine, at minimum, maybe 70, (laughs) but at least 35 hours a week if you have a high-paying W-2 job. And as you're trying to scale, yeah, you'll need to have someone in your corner from a financial analytics forensic standpoint to see what's taking place at your properties. Right. And I just thought of something else. Another perfect example is just He doesn't have budget set up for his properties. And it's really not the third-party manager's job to develop budgets. That's not really their scope. Their scope is to collect rents and make sure the properties are filled up and manage them effectively. But in this case, he doesn't have any budget. So now we're collecting three years of data. We're putting it into Excel. We're lining it all up. And then we're going to develop budgets that we're going to give to his property manager. So now not only when he gets he or she, but in this case, it's a he, When the reports come in, not only is it just an owner statement that says cash in and cash out, it also, he can get a P&L that says, here's how we did and here's how we Mm -hmm. thought we were going to do. And now there's a variance. And that just becomes a really quick report to review. Hopefully there's no big variances, but that's just a common thing that people aren't looking at. It's a pretty easy analysis, but if you don't have time, you got to put in the time to put that together to develop the budget. It's a time thing. Do you want to focus on finding new deals or do you want to focus on putting financial packages together. This is just all we do. It's the only industry we work with. Like you said, I've done this myself. So I kind of understand it from both the operator and the accounting side since I've been a CPA for 14 years now. 
We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless, from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. And remember to mention the Best Ever Podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. Having that variance is so important, but like you said, there is no variance if there's nothing to measure the current results against. 100% 100% variance every single month. Right. <laughs> and when you're working with a client, and perhaps you need to define which client type we're talking about when you answer this question, but what are some common mistakes that you see that they're making or their team is making or some things that you all can help correct? So I think I kind of gave that perfect example on the mm-hmm. syndicator that's outsourcing their books. But I think just what you're capitalizing and what you're expensing it doesn't matter on a day-to-day basis if there's not some outside party that needs to use this data. But within real estate, pretty much everybody's financing properties. There is always going to be an outside provider like a bank that's ultimately going to want to see those. So that's just a really common mistake is expensing too much versus capitalizing. Now your NOI looks lower. And in multifamily, it's all about NOI and the cap rate. How do you balance that expensing versus capitalizing? Yeah, Because tax benefits versus valuation. That's a good question. It's really just depends on the person. I think there's two schools of thought. One school of thought is you just expense everything. And then when you go to sell it, you might make adjustments in the books to show it to say, hey, our tax books and our real books are are different. Mm -hmm. Some companies just do that. What's Um, wrong with that approach? Anything? Not necessarily, though I would say the tax code doesn't allow you to just expense anything. If you go replace the boiler at a property or put in a new HVAC system, you can't expense that. Generally speaking, I would say rule of thumb is thousand bucks and under, you expense it, thousand dollars over, you capitalize it. Do people expense things greater than a thousand? Of course they do. A paint job, maybe you might expense that even if it's a couple grand. So you really just have to look at it. But 
you can't just do whatever you want because on some level the tax code has language to say these items need to be capitalized and depreciated over this many years versus not. Okay, got it. So when you're working with a new client, what type of questions do you all ask in order to see what's the root of the issue or challenge that you all can help solve for? It's usually, hey, why'd you reach out? Everybody's always reaching out for a reason. If it's the third-party manager client, oftentimes they haven't reconciled their bank accounts in like six to eight months and an audit's coming up. Mm-hmm. Because if you are a third-party manager and you're handing client money, they call that trust accounting, you're subject to audits by your state board. You're handling other people's money and there's a license with that and there's a high degree of care that needs to be done. So that's a very common one. The other one is which probably your listeners can appreciate is just an entrepreneur that's scaling, whether they're a third-party manager or they're a syndicator that has been doing the reporting out to their LPs or that has been doing the accounting that just doesn't have time. It's that classic spend time on things that generate revenue for your business and accounting for a lot of people, that's not their core competency. That is our core competency. That's all we do. So I would say it's somebody's behind on bank recs, somebody scaling that just doesn't have time for it. A big one is just, Hey, somebody quit COVID. There was a lot of that. Hey, Mm -hmm. fire somebody or somebody quit. And that's what we always tell people. If you hire us, we can be up and running in two days. It's not, Hey, we need to go post an ad. And this is really the in-source versus outsource. Our staff are fully trained. All we do is real estate. You give us a call. We have an onboarding call and we're up and running in a couple of days. It's not hiring and training and W2 and payroll and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think the third one I would just say is with syndicators that are just realizing, hey, I need to start doing reporting to LPs. I said I was going to do that. I'm not really comfortable with this. There's a lot of people that are doing real estate deals that don't have a financial background and don't know how to put the P&Ls together. And yes, your property manager is going to send you reports, but it's not always in a format that might lend itself to, chances are you gave your LPs a pro forma, and now you need to compare, here's how we're doing Here's what I said in the pro forma, how we're going to do, and then add some color to how we're doing better or worse. You're just not going to get that from a property manager. You won't get that. That is correct. That's a fact. And so let's go with that example, pro forma versus how we're doing with someone who has, let's say it's a mobile home park and this is their first mobile home park. And they say it was a $2 million purchase. So it's a relatively small mobile home park, but it's not a $500,000 one. And they come to you all and they say, okay, yes, I'd like help reporting to my investors in a sophisticated way because I want to scale my business the right way. How do you all get into the business plan enough so that you know, okay, well, here's the performer you had and here's how we're doing numbers wise, but it seems like there needs to be some context, like kind of the story behind. So how do you get involved there? Yeah, there's two things I would say. First and foremost, I'll just think of a client that's not doing mobile home parks, but that's doing large multifamily 200 unit properties. First thing we did when we onboarded, we said, hey, look, give us the fundraising deck. Hey, give us your CapEx budget. Because once we read the fundraising deck, now we know what they were thinking when they were doing the deal. Right. Once we have their CapEx budget, we know if there was a big CapEx plan or not. And then when the financials come in, we see the actuals and we'll see, hey, we've spent 200K on CapEx. That will be a surprise to us when we see in the OM that we were going to spend a bunch of money in year one 
and the budget's 800 and we've spent 200. Okay. So now we have context. And then once we've lined up the numbers, so we received the report for the mobile home park to use your example, let's say there's a third party manager, we got the numbers, we've got our own template that we've developed that people like. So we kind of put it into this Excel template. So we take the OM, put in the budget, get the axles from the property manager, do a comparison, and then we'll just schedule a quick call with the mobile home park owner to say, hey guys, here's what we see. Does this make sense? Hey, these expenses are super high. Does this make sense? And that's where the syndicator, more often than not, I would say when we send out these, when we assist them with reporting, we give them the numbers and then the syndicator writes up the operational findings. That's if that makes sense. So we aren't the deal guy or girl. So we don't know exactly that there's something going on here. Occupancy is about to spike, but we get a lot of context from that OM and Mm -hmm. calls with the client and the numbers. You just triangulate it. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. One thing that happened to me on a deal that I'm a general partner on is that a property manager was committing fraud because she was greedy. I guess that's why, that's the because, but she was committing fraud by, that's the word I was looking for, by artificially inflating the rent roll to hit a leasing bonus. And that took place for a couple months before we figured out what was going on. And then we corrected it. But that's something that would have been helpful to have someone even looking at the books. And I bring that up and we were looking at the books, but we just missed it. It was a mistake on our part. But I bring this up because it's likely that that is taking place on other people's portfolio. And it's probably not a common thing, but it's a thing. So how that could hurt you is multiple ways if it happens over a long period of time, where if you don't catch it, and I think we can all imagine how that could hurt us. It does hurt us from an NOI standpoint. It could really set you back on your performa, on your whole business plan. Depends on how long it takes place. So that's something else that I just thought of that this would be really helpful for. Yeah. Let me just give one other quick example on that. One of our syndicator clients works with a very large, well-known, respected multifamily property management company. We review their books in detail thoroughly every month, and we're asking about variances. Why is electric up? Why is gas up? And on more than one occasion, we've found instances where expenses from completely other owners' properties have hit the books of our clients' properties. Mm. They actually paid an electric bill for 123 Main Street, which is not owned by our client, and put it out of our client's 456 Main Street property. That's a problem. Yeah. Does it happen all the time? No, of course not. 
But if you're actually looking deeply and then the property manager didn't even realize it, then they had to do a little receivable and reimburse them and we got it fixed. But it's a human element business. And there's just, if you're not looking at things, chances are you're going to miss things. That's right. I always say that the main risk of any deal is in the execution because you're, you're dealing with so many people and so many different moving parts. And whether it's something that happens maliciously or something that's just an innocent mistake, I go back to the Jim Rome example where he talks about your worst enemy can give you a cup of sugar and your best friend can give you a cup of cyanide. Yep. You're going to die even though your best friend had the best intentions. One of the takeaways here, the main takeaway is we've got to have someone else looking at our books from a financial analyzation standpoint. It has to take place if we're scaling properly. One of the things that comes to mind is it's almost like you all serve as an asset manager not the full scope of an asset manager, but a certain role as an asset manager for these properties. Yeah. I've worked with some asset managers that understand accounting at a deep level and some that do not. So I think in some respects, it's a decent comparison. We also have clients that have asset managers that we're still here because we're the CPAs. We understand it. They want our expertise on just really kind of the accounting and the numbers. But I think, yeah, in some instances, maybe for a smaller client that doesn't have asset managers, in some ways we function like that a little bit. We're Anything, just not physically going to the properties. Right. I get that. Yep. Anything that we haven't talked about that you think we should before we wrap up? No, I just want to piggyback on one point you just said. It was something that I was thinking about before this call, which is I've worked for PwC, Ernst & Young. So I started in the accounting world and then I worked at a tech startup. Then I started developing real estate and now I've got an accounting firm. And I would just say, regardless of what industry you're in, you made the point of you need somebody or yourself looking at the numbers. The best organizations I've ever worked in or best clients I've worked with, we have a monthly call to just review the numbers. There's always a set call. It doesn't get missed. Of course, sometimes it get pushed a little bit, but it's just financial discipline, operating discipline to say, no, we're going to look at the numbers. Let's just look at it. Does anything look funky? You always find something. Or you always learn something, which is like, oh, wow, we need to tweak that because we're spending way too much money on site maintenance or site maintenance salaries are crazy. We need to bring that down. There's just always some sort of learning when you commit the time to review your numbers and just understand your business financially. Isn't that the truth? I love that. And it makes me think, first off, I would suggest everyone have that type of call each month. Our firm certainly does have that type of call each month and continue to have it until you don't learn something from the call, right? I think that's a fair challenge. As long as you're optimizing from that call every month, then it makes sense to keep it because you're talking about numbers. You're not talking about some tangential thing that doesn't directly impact the bottom line. You talk about numbers. So as long as you are continually optimizing based off of that call, what's this expense, where this income used to be much higher this time last year, what changed whatever it is, then keep having the call. But if at some point you don't learn anything from and you're not optimizing, maybe two or three in, in a row, then okay, maybe you don't do a call. But my assumption is that you're going to learn something every month and you're going to be optimizing, tweaking something every month because again, we're dealing with human beings. We make mistakes. So things are going to happen. The human error is going to take place. So we've got to be on top of it. Yeah, totally agree. And if monthly is too much, do it quarterly. Do it every other month, but do it. You got to do it on some cadence. Mark, how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you and your team are doing? 
Yeah, go to our website, realestateaccounting.co. Schedule a call. We'd be happy to chat with you. We'd love to chat with you. If you're in real estate, this is all we work on. Mark, thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever weekend and talk to you again soon. Thanks so much, Joe.